Well, welcome to Church Online. My name is David Vaughn, and welcome to a brand new normal. Wouldn't you agree? So thanks for uh, logging in. Thanks for tuning in uh, in this unique experience, unprecedented in our church. Thanks for watching. Some of you are watching in, uh, in your kitchen. Some of you are watching in your car. Be careful. Maybe you're listening in the car. Uh, some of y'all are watching in your living room. Some of y'all, I don't know, you may watch it in the bathroom. I don't know. But no matter where you're watching from online, thank you for being here. I often wondered to myself two things. Uh, number one, I often wondered what it would be like to be a TV preacher, you know, maybe without the white suit or the scandal or something like that. And I, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. Number two, though, I, all, I always wondered, I often wondered, what would happen if the church couldn't meet in a building? Like, I thought it would be because of persecution or something. Well, we have found out, and you know what we found out? The church is still working right. We're not limited to a building because we're a body and not a building. In fact, in view of this unprecedented times, I'm kind of declaring this an outbreak opportunity for our church. Uh, it's an opportunity to spread love and not germs. Uh, I heard one guy say, we want you to wash your hands, and then as a church, we're going to go wash feet. That's exactly what we're doing. So I want to thank you again for watching, no matter who you are. You're watching with family. Some of you are watching, uh, and you think you're alone. You are so not alone. If you look on Facebook right now, you'll see those comments, connect, engage with us. You are never alone uh, our church is really rising up and being the church. I mean, it's one thing to come to church, but you know what's better? To be the church. And that's why you're here. That's why you're tuning in. Let me just say our ability to be the body and bless other people, as you've already heard it earlier, I'm sure, is due to your uh, ability to resource us. So uh, we're not just paying for a building. We're paying for a body. So don't forget to give online. Please don't forget that. See, just because we don't have in-person services doesn't mean you can reduce your generosity. We went online out of love for one another, didn't want to affect one another in a bad way, social distancing. But we must do online giving. We've got to keep giving for the same reason, all because of love. So I'm declaring this officially today. Whoever you are, maybe it's even your first time uh, checking us out. Man, what a great time. Great time to engage through this online uh, ability we have, which we never had generations ago. And so thank you for doing that. And so I'm just declaring this outbreak, outreach, Genesis time. This is the time to be the church. I want to introduce what we've been talking about as a church for uh, at least in a couple of weeks. And I think it's just profoundly not a coincidence, it's a providence that we're starting right now in this same subject. I am frequently called upon uh, as a pastor to kind of go out to Kiwanis clubs or schools or businesses and speak. And whenever I do, they kind of expect uh, me to talk about religion. I, I, that's a shock. People would thought a preacher would talk about religion. But I start out those messages uh, with just a little bit different way uh, of presenting myself. And whenever I go to one of these places, I start out with the same thing. Because they're expecting one thing, and then I kind of give them something else. Because I have a bias, I have a worldview, and it's this. I think everything is better when Jesus is a part of it. Everything. Would you not agree with me? No matter who you are, even if you're kind of not like into this Jesus stuff yet, or into this church stuff, or even online church stuff, uh, you would probably agree that everything would be better if Jesus is a part of it. I I'm thinking about it. You know, I believe a business is better 
A business is better when Jesus is a part of it. You're getting ready to find out if you work. I mean, a lot of us, I'm sure, you're worried about, am I going to have a job? Am I going to get laid off? Uh, What's going to happen to me? You're going to find out if your company is better if some values of Jesus are in there. Families are better with Jesus uh, as a part of it. Marriages are better when Jesus is a part of it. Schools are better. Clubs are better. Churches, (laughs) and that a thought. Church would be better if Jesus is a part of it. Can I get an amen? Even online watching, amen. See, I believe that everything is better when Jesus is a part of it. So the series that we're doing is listing multiple stories, multiple examples, multiple uh, things from the Bible that kind of illustrate the reasons why Jesus is better. And it could not have come at a better time. Oh, you see what I did there with a better? Man, better than I thought it was. Oh, I did it again. Anyway, thank you for being with us. I want to talk about Jesus being better. And he is, in our mind, in my mind, the true and better everything. Right now, you're looking for something true. You're looking for something that's not shaky. You're looking for something that's better than you are now. And so Jesus came as the true and the better. He stepped into our world. He stepped into your world to make it better. When you were drowning, he saved you. When, when you were lost, he found you. When you were losing, he wants to give you a second chance. He's that kind of God. Someone sent me an email said, hey, God is better than Geico because he saves you more than 15%, and it's much easier than a caveman. For you PNGers out here watching now, God is better than Tide. He gets the stains out that others leave behind. He's better than Allstate. Oh, he's all better than all these insurance men. He's better than Allstate because in your, you're in good hands with him, and he protects you from real mayhem. He's a better Jake even from State Farm too. And last and certainly not least, some of y'all have been watching Hallmark. You will continue to watch it, I'm sure, in, in this uh, apocalyptic time. He's better than Hallmark because God cared enough to send the very best. And we care too. And that's why we're coming your way. Jesus is the true and the better. So we are be uh, over the last couple, the next couple of weeks, laying out some stories, laying out some examples about why Jesus is better to keep hope alive. And Jesus is not just the true and better. He wants a true and better life for you right now. Not only in this world, but the next world. I know it's hard to think about the next when you're in the now. But if you would, just for a few minutes, let me talk to you about why Jesus can make your life better no matter what viral, no matter what pandemic, what pandemonium exists. Jesus can give you peace because he's the Prince of Peace. How many of y'all watching here remember Toy Story? Maybe that first original movie. I know families and kids are watching. Maybe you watched it with your grandkids. There's like 17 of those Toy Stories out there. But you may have... uh, uh, been in a time when you went with, to the movie, and I remember the first time I tossed, saw Toy Story, I was fascinated with it. And in the original one, that original movie, there was a scene where Buzz Lightyear stumbles accidentally into an arcade machine that was full of little green alien men waiting to be plucked out and up out of this machine by this entity they called the claw. Oh, and they would chant it. Anybody remember that? The claw is our master. The claw decides who will go and who will stay. 
Very interesting theological bent that these little green aliens have. They see God, they saw God, as this higher power of a claw. And I wonder today, those of you watching here today, those of you who are with family and friends, especially those of you who have given up on church, who say, you know what, this is just proof, this world and all the shape that it's in is just proof there is no God and he doesn't care. Oh, you could not be more wrong. He knows exactly, we're going to find out what's going on, and he cares deeply. But a lot of you see God as this cosmic killjoy. You see him as a claw. In fact, if you'll tell me how you see the Father, I can tell you a lot about how you view Christianity and this whole stuff called the church working right. Is God an angry tyrant out there who's just been waiting to catch you doing something wrong so he can zap you? Is God's main agenda one of catching you and punishing you or rewarding you and loving you? I propose to you today that the God, the true God, is not the cosmic killjoy of the universe. There is a powerful being that wants to kill your joy, but it's not God. It's an, an evil one. The God I'm talking about is a better father. He wants something for you, not from you. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. He is more than you think. He's better than you think. He's not a rule-breaking, but a relationship-making God. He's the God you've been looking for all your life. He's a better father. There's our word, better. And today I want to talk to you about how he is a better father. Now, when I, I know when I say something about uh, fathers that uh, this, this is going to come hard to some of us because I'm going to ask a, a question. It's a weighted question. You can answer it wherever you're watching now. What kind of father did you have? What kind of father do you have? How many of y'all would say watching here online that you have a great dad? All, all of you kids watching as a family, you better raise your hand if you want something good. <sighs> Is he a good dad? Did you have a good dad? I had a great father, a great dad. In fact, I thought we were normal until I started to talk to some of my buddies, and they found out, you know what? I found out their dads are not treating them the way my dad treated me. Maybe instead of being normal, I'm abnormal. Some of us would say we had a bad dad. Don't raise your hand. But some of us have been living our whole life with a father wound. We're going through with a limp in our life. A, a vacuum, a hole that we've tried to fill with earning lots of money. How's that working for you these days with your 401k and your investment? Oh, don't put your identity in anything that can be taken away. Some of us have tried to fill that hole by achievement. Some of us have been acting out and we have hurts and habits and hangups now because we had a bad dad in our life. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the kind of model, and he modeled for us what it's like to interface with a, a dad. And I want to give you three ways that God the Father is a better father. Whether you're solid with him right now, whether you're watching online for the first time, you're a bit estranged right now. Three ways, really three words, they all start with O, and they're, they sound theological, but these are so practical. They have huge ramifications in your life and could not be more providentially timely right now than in this age and stage and season that we are all living in right now and trying to survive in. This is good news of great joy that I bring you about our better father. Number one reason he's a better father is he's omnipresent. 
He's omnipresent. It means he's present all the time. Uh, Has there ever been a time in your life uh, when you were growing up that you really needed your dad there and you were hurting and you were helpless and you were hopeless and you needed your dad to show up? It happened to me. I was like fifth grade. And every day that one for a semester of my school over at Tishner Middle School in Erlanger, Kentucky, not far from here, there was this neighborhood bully named Kenny, school bully, who chased me home every day and threatened to beat me up. I hated that guy. <laughs> every day he chased me, Kenny the bully. My dad saw me running in one day and he said, son, it's a very profound question how long are you going to run from this bully? How long are you going to be afraid of him? He said, I think that you should stand up to him. You just might find out that Kenny is a chicken after all. He's just a, you know, a false bully. So I made up my decision right then and there. The next Monday, I was not going to run from Kenny anymore. The next day at school, I was going to stand up to him and see what happens. And man, when that school bell rang and I knew it was time to run home, <laughs> I decided not to run that day. Oh, I looked out, and Kenny was waiting for me. But something happened that day, and I said, Kenny, I'm not running anymore. It's time for us to go at it. Judgment day had happened for Kenny. Oh, he didn't know what hit him. Something came over me. I, the power of the Lord was all around me. And I laid hands on Kenny in ways I didn't know. It wasn't a godly anointing laying on of hands like church people. Man, I laid hands on him. He never bothered me again. I found out a couple of years later that my dad and I were reflecting on that. And I found out from him later that my dad knew that was going to happen that day after school because I told him. And he was just around the corner watching to see what would happen with Kenny. And I guess if I hadn't represented myself well, he was going to step in and help me. I never knew it. Some of you watching right now, you don't know that, but God has had your back for a long time. He's been the best father that's ever happened to you. Even though your father may have forsaken you, God loves you, and he'll never forsake you. He'll always be around the corner. He'll always be ahead of you. He'll work upstream in your life because he loves you, because he's omnipresent. He's always there. This is a huge benefit for you right now. I mean, I know you want people to be there for you, but don't you want God to be there for you? God's not confined to space. He's anywhere. He's everywhere. That may sound like bad news. It's good news. In fact, this is how David, another David, described it in Psalm 139. I love the imagery he gives. David says, you have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. <laughs> he knows what time you went to bed. He knows what time you get up. You perceive my thoughts from afar. He knows what you're thinking. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar, he says, with all my ways. Oh, check this out. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it, Lord, completely. Lord, you know it completely. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He knows what you said when you saw what the stocks dropped and how much you lost. He knows what you're thinking when you, your job is in jeopardy. He knows what you say about your neighbor. He knows what you say about yourself. He knows everything. You hem me in behind, though, and before, 
and you lay your hand upon me. This is a good laying on of hands. He's got his hand on you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If there's a coronavirus outbreak, he's there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, God. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. See, a lot of us think that God is this person to catch us when we do wrong. And you know, there is some of that. But he is also omnipresent, which means that he is present and he sees when you fail and when you succeed. He sees you at your worst. He sees you at your best. When you think you are alone, God has not left you alone. He has not forsaken you. He is there. He's there in the light and he is there in the dark. Some of you right now may be watching this alone. You wish you maybe had a spouse or a family or watching it by yourself and you think you're alone. Oh, you could not be farther from the truth. That is so wrong. Just look on Facebook. If you're on Facebook now, look at the comments. We are with you. He is with you. Connect with us. We want to know you. God's all-knowing. We want to know you. He's all-present here. He's a part of your life. And boy, he can see exactly what's going on. And he loves you. He's watching you even when you make a mistake. I heard a joke about late one night, a burglar who had broken into a home and this burglar was sneaking around and in the dark with a flashlight, he heard a voice say, Jesus is watching you. He looked around with his flashlight, saw nothing and started creeping and stealing again. He heard the voice again, Jesus is watching you. He finally shone his light over in a dark corner and he saw a cage with a parrot inside. <laughs> and the burglar asked the parrot, did you say Jesus is watching me? The parrot said, yes. <laughs> the burglar said, you're a parrot. You're, you're not Jesus. True, the parrot said, my name is Polly. Jesus is that Rottweiler over in the corner. Sick him, Jesus. I'll pause so you can laugh. I may have to start laughing at my own jokes in this new communication venue now. But my point is, wherever you go, even in the dark, even when you're wrong, Jesus loves you. Why? He's a better father because he's all present. Number two, though, God is omniscient. Another big theological word. It just basically means he's all-knowing. Because God is not confined to time like we are. He knows our past. He knows our present. He knows our future. He knows what happened to you. He knows what will happen to you. He knows your pain. He knows your problem. But listen to me. He knows your potential. He knows our church's potential. He's all-knowing. Now, he's not a master, uh, puppet master. He allows us free choice. But he does know the choices that we will make. And he often works upstream in our life to mitigate our stupid decisions. Anybody here watching today that's done something stupid and God saved you in spite of it? It's because of his omnipresence, but it's because of his omniscience. He knows, yet he still loves. I'm just now getting used to the idea 
that God knows, after all these years of following him, that God knows everything, but he still loves me. It's kind of like the closest analogy I could give is a, a new app that I have on my cell phone. It's called the Life 360 app. It's a phone that my wife Donna and I began using recently where you invite family members to uh, track you and can see where you are based on your cell phone. Now, we didn't download it to, in order to check on one another constantly. That, that's not what we're about. And for the first few days, honestly, it was fun to, for us to look at where each other were. And I, remind, I remember one afternoon recently, I reminded her that, uh, about the app as I was leaving downtown to drive back to the church office. I reminded Donna, are you watching me on the app? That was a mistake. <laughs> because what happened is Donna got on that app as I was coming down Route 128 and was able to see my speed. You can read your speed limit on that app. She was able to see my speed, and it was increasingly going over the 45-mile-per-hour limit on Route 128. Some of y'all know that speed limit. You break it all the time. But she saw on that app that I was going 54, 55, finally 56, and she texted me a picture of it not long after I got back to my office. I hate that 360 app. You know, it's okay. For God to know everything, I'm just not sure I want Donna to know everything. <laughs> Friend, God is all-knowing. He knows everything about you. He knows what you believe about heaven, what you believe about hell, what you believe about him, what you believe about this bald-head preacher, what you believe about this church. Nothing is a surprise to God. And could I just say this? This corona outbreak was not a surprise to God. Do you think he was up in heaven ringing his hands? Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? He already knew it. And by the way, he knows when it will end. We don't know. Our government officials don't know. Please pray for them. I know our health officials, uh, uh, you know, our representatives are doing the best that they can. Pray for them. But God knows that this is going to come to an end. Why? Because he's all present and he's omniscient. He's all knowing. Finally, let me give you one more word and starts with, oh, a way that God is a better father. He's also a better father because he's omnipotent. He's all-knowing, he's all-present, he's all-powerful. There is nothing too big for God. Let me repeat that again. I know this is a messed up world right now. Your world is messed up. I bet you have fear like you've never had. I bet you have concern, unrest, distress, anxiety like never before. Could I just remind you, God is in control. It's not bigger than him. He's all powerful. There's nothing that God cannot do, nothing that God doesn't want to do. All of creation, the Bible says, bows to him. This is how Jeremiah put it in Jeremiah 32, 17. It's a verse I've been claiming. Maybe you could claim it. Maybe you need to write that on your mirror Write that in your kitchen. Write that over your TV. Some of you, the best thing you could do is turn off your TV for a while and tune into the Word of God and claim these promises. Here's what Jeremiah said. He was known as the weeping prophet because he was sad when he looked at his people that God loved and they were not following him as the better father. I know what it's like to weep. Some of you have been weeping a lot. Here's what Jeremiah said. O oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing, here's the phrase, great six words, nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard 
for you. Nothing's impossible for God. Another writer in the Bible said this, is anything too hard for me? The answer is no. Why? Because he's a better father. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. All those things are exactly what you need to hear, what I need to hear right now in this unbelievable, unprecedented season of our country, of our church, of our community. I understand just this week that Utah experienced one of the worst earthquakes they'd had in the last 50 years. It reminds me of a story about another earthquake several years ago in Mexico City. A small elementary boy uh, was caught in a earthquake. A, his school was completely demolished. And in a small air pocket in the middle of the rubble, several young boys from that school were trapped. Frightened and in the dark, they began to cry, except for one little boy. This one little boy who was not crying kept telling his friends, my father will come for us. My father will come for us. He just continued to say that over and over. Outside that day, the rescue workers were giving up for the night, except for one man who continued to dig in that broken concrete with his bare hands. For several hours, that man dug until he heard the faint cries of his son, and he began to call out his son's name. And through the rubble, a small hand reached out and emerged to feel the hand of the father. And the little boy said once again to his friends, I told you my dad would come. Friend, I got good news for you of great joy. Your dad knows what's going on with you. Your dad, your father, will come for you. He will never stop looking for you. He came to earth, Jesus did, to redefine, redescribe, to reframe this cosmic redemptive father. Jesus had a word for the father. It wasn't formal. He just called him daddy. Daddy, Abba, father. See, God the Father is not this giant claw or cosmic judge waiting to snatch you and catch you. He's the kind of father that loves you so much he wants to adopt you. Which is why we have been having more baptisms than I can imagine this year. We're up to 129. Whenever you come back to the building, right now you can see it online. We got this kind of a scoreboard over here, but when you come back, you'll be able to see it. One week ago, it was 122. But last Sunday, even though the building wasn't open, the church was working right. Seven people said, if you're going to be, okay, will you open up? I need to be baptized. I need to go all in. We had seven baptisms and the building wasn't even open because the church was open. The church is working right here in ways that are inconceivable. And if you were plucked out by, by a force, it was to save you. And if you want to be baptized, I can't think of a better time. The only way out of the mess of this world is going to be a God that loves you very much who wants you to trust him, who wants you to confess him as Lord and Savior, who wants you to go all in. And we would count it a privilege to put you in that number. The water's warm. It cures a disease greater than any virus. It's the disease of sin. And that's why Paul put this in Romans chapter 8. This is the metaphor. These are the, the words that you can claim today in your life. And could I just say, as I just close things up here, as I read these scriptures to you, I am I'm burdened by this idea, especially in Cincinnati, that coming to the Father is a list of 
do's and don'ts and check-offs, and if you get this right, God will love you. Friend, he loves you in spite of what you've done. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything. Your salvation is based on what Jesus already did, on what the good, good father, the better father did for you. And he not only loves you and takes you in as an adopted child, look at how Paul describes who we are now that we're children of God. For those who were led by the Spirit of God, he says in verse 14 of Romans 8, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Some of you are living in fear. You're living in fear of the coronavirus. You're living in fear of God. No, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Your, and by him we cry, Abba or Daddy, Father. Same word that Jesus used, he says you should use. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, and here's the good news, you're not just children, you're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. When you're an heir, that means you get an inheritance. So so start acting like a a kid of the king. You're co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Yet, you know what? There's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some suffering in this world. But take heart, my friend, fear not. Jesus and your better father have overcome the world. I guess it's true that I've never seen anything like this era in my lifetime. Some of you who are older watching online, you may have seen it. Maybe it was World War II. Maybe it was 9-11. I don't know. Some of us have never experienced this before. I think it's unprecedented. And so it's taking a lot of our attention. This coronavirus has obviously seized every system and every person right now in our society. And I'm grateful that we have good leaders in our country that are doing their best. I'm grateful that we have good leaders in our church who are doing our best in this unprecedented season. It reminds me of another virus that hit England, and I'll close with this. England saw a glimpse of another similar deadly virus that about 200 years ago, back in 1878, the second daughter of Queen Victoria was a lady named Princess Alice. And Princess Alice's son was at the age of four infected with what then was a horrible disease known as black diphtheria. It was deadly. Doctors quarantined the boy. Does that sound familiar? They quarantined the boy. They told his mother, Alice, to stay away but she simply couldn't. One day, Alice overheard him, the little boy, her son, whisper to the nurse, why doesn't my mother kiss me anymore? And those words melted the heart of his mom. And she ran to her son. She smothered him with kisses. And tragically, within a few days, both were buried. Let me ask you a question. What would drive a mother to do such a thing? You know the answer, love. What would lead you as a parent to do such a thing? Love. And what would lead a better God the Father to do something even better for us? Same answer, love. Can I just speak to you for a second from my heart? Do you understand? Do you recognize what Jesus did for you already on the cross? Do you know what he did for us? He came close, real close knowing in advance that it would cost him his life. 
Jesus came to a cross and spread his hands and said, I love you this much because we needed a better cure from the deadlier virus of sin. And Jesus was a better sacrifice. And what an unprecedented year we are seeing. I mean, we thought the tragic loss of Kobe was something compared to that pandemic of Corona. Uh, 2020 is a stark reminder that we are not omnipresent. We as humans are not omniscient. We as human beings in our culture, our world, are definitely not omnipotent. In fact, we have little control over life itself. Even the air that we breathe is not ours. But we serve a sovereign Lord who is better, who is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. And he is allowing us through his power to be the church working right. Even though all kinds of things are shut down, we're still open for business. The church working right still continues thanks to you. We always said we wanted to be a multi-site church. We've become multi-site in the last 10 days, didn't even know it. One church, hundreds, thousands of locations with you tuning in, with you clicking on, with you listening along. We really are needed more than ever right now in our world. We are a spiritual hospital for the spiritually sick. We're not just worshiping online. We are becoming the church. Oh, it's one thing to attend the church. It's every difference in the world to be the church. You know what? We wouldn't pray for this, but friend, we were made for this. We wouldn't pray for this, but we were made for this. It will get better. We will get better. God is still in control. Why? Because he's a better father. And I want to thank you for being the church this week. Go love your neighbor as yourself. Trust God more than ever. Tell somebody the good news about Jesus Christ. Help them when they figure out they need something. Give what you have. This is the moment for the church to be the church. If ever there was a moment when this world needs the church, it's now. And guess who the church is? It's you. And we'll be better because all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Let's pray. Father, so many things that are going on in our world, so many things going on in our church, so many things going on in people's lives right now that are listening to this. And so we ask you now, God, to help us understand anew that he is a better father. And Father, he's not after us. He's not trying to get something from us. He wants something for us. And he loves us so much that Jesus came to die for our sins on the cross. That is the good news. And now since we have the good news, we can go and be good news. Because there's nothing like the church when the church is working right. And the church is working right now more than ever. And I thank you for the members we have and those tuning in maybe for the first time. And I look forward to meeting them and seeing what you do. Thank you for being a better father. In your better son's name we pray. Amen.